0: I'm going to tell you something happened yesterday. The league executives are wondering what the heck it means. And it happened within five minutes.
1: If you were anywhere near the internet the past few days, you know what this is.
0: There was a trade yesterday between the Utah Jazz and the Brooklyn Nets. It's a very strange trade. A very strange trade. You'd really have to be a Jazz or a Nets fan to even know what I'm talking about right now.
1: Okay. Our good friend Brian Winhorst, normally a mild-mannered NBA reporter, very cryptically talked his way into the hall of memes.
0: Royce O'Neal, who is a role-playing, three-point defensive shooter to Brooklyn for a future first-round draft pick. And so you're going, well, what do you care about Royce O'Neal? Why does that matter? Why would the Jazz do that? Why would they do that? And we hung on his every Word. Why? What's going on in Utah? What's going on? And that's what people in the league are watching right now. Okay. What's going on in Utah?
1: So today, the man, the meme, the legend himself, Brian Windhorst, tells us the untold truth about the question heard around the world and what's really going on in Brooklyn. I'm Pablo Torre. It is Thursday, July 7th. And this is ESPN Daily. Brian Winhorst, I just want to establish a key detail at the very top here, which is that I don't consider you the most online person at ESPN. Would you agree with that general assessment?
0: Yes, I would say that I don't believe that the world operates around social media. Does that make me sound (laughs) every bit of my
1: 44 years? Absolutely, right. Because you cover the most terminally online sport, (laughs) the NBA. You don't live on Twitter. You vocally hate aggregation. I do. And so with this as the backdrop, how would you say the last week of your life has felt?
0: I know it's not what I'm supposed to say. What I'm supposed to say is, oh my God, it's been amazing. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for the love. You're the greatest. Oh my gosh. <sighs> that's right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You really like me. You really, really <laughs> like me. Is that too old of a reference, Sally Field? <laughs> a little Nobody bit. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. A little about. bit. Um, look, the thing is, um, Look, I am appreciative. I appreciate the people saying kind words. Obviously, I have the, the reaction I've gotten has never been this um, wide. I don't think I've ever had a video clip that's had six million views as that first take clip has had.
1: Just one uh, had, version of it got six million okay. views, not accounting for the whole, you know, spawned, yeah, iterations of it thereafter.
0: Right. But I've also had the other end of the stick, the sharp end of the stick. Uh, which maybe not is widespread, but I've had it a lot. And I will have it a lot again because the nature of the way I do my job. So I'm a little bit, uh, you know, hardened on the way it all works. So I haven't been like the best subject <laughs> in people who are reaching out. Like I pretty much said no to all requests over the weekend. People are like, oh yeah, yeah, you're playing it cool, 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 cool. That's smart media strategy. I'm like, no. <laughs> I've been gone for eight of the last nine weeks and my wife planned a full weekend of festivities and uh-huh. um, oh no, my son, who's four and a half, hadn't seen me and he wants to go swimming. And like, that's just the reality of being a 44-year-old dad. And so I, I'm very appreciative. Thank you. And I know that the internet has no memory, and so when the same folks who were saying nice things don't like something I say, they will come back with the pitchforks and the knives, and I understand.
1: This is the most Brian Winhurst response to that question I've ever <laughs> received. I mean, it's incredible, Brian. It's incredible that, yes, you are swimming in retweets and <laughs> your son just wants to go swimming. Right. It's, it's, it's of course true that, yes, we here at ESPN Daily, we appreciate you making an exception for us because we, we, we knew you before you were um, the number one meme <laughs> on planet Earth. And I feel like the way that it happened needs to be sort of recapped here because yeah. I, it's ridiculous how it happened, Brian. I think we can all agree that you becoming like the new crying Jordan <laughs> off of a Royce O'Neal story <laughs> on ESPN2 on a Friday before a holiday weekend on first take is 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 ridiculous. It's truly like surreal. But... But, yeah, you broke down a very strange, completely overshadowed trade between the Nets and the Jazz that had broken just minutes, literal minutes, after Kevin
0: Durant's trade request went public. And you gave us theater. There was a trade yesterday between the Utah Jazz and the Brooklyn Nets. It's a very strange trade. A very strange trade.
1: It got to the point where people were putting dramatic music underneath <laughs> your voice.
0: Why would the Jazz do that? Why would the Jazz, who have two stars on their roster... Mm-hmm. Take a player who's one of their starters and best defensive. Well, look if you want the if you want the real real, can we are, are we the real real? That's people, all we want. People were like, "Wow, that was a tremendous accomplishment." I mean, what an incredible story! I go, I go, no, guys, the accomplishment was that I talked about the Utah Jazz for three consecutive minutes on ESPN. <laughs> There's no way that would be that would have been permitted on a on a day that it wasn't Friday of a holiday weekend where. All of the uh, a huge majority of the staff was on vacation. But really what happened, Pablo, is I did a podcast on television, on hmm. live television. I am a huge fan of podcasts. I consume way more podcasts than I do television because I like the storytelling aspect of it. Yes, I tell stories or construct narratives of stuff happening in the NBA like that on my podcast all of the time. And it's great. In fact, the dry run for that was the night before when I recorded a podcast um, where I talked about the jazz thing, Donovan Mitchell type thing. And that's basically what happened is I was doing a podcast on live TV and it happened because it was on First Take, which the A block of First Take, I mean, typically the A blocks of the morning shows on ESPN, you know, 10 to 12 minutes. And first take, they sometimes go more than 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And on this day, Stephen A. Smith, he was out. And he was taking some vacation, some recovery time. Mad Dog Russo, who was in several days before that, who <laughs> I loved working with, he was off. So, like, basically, I had the floor and the show. And I had good support from the producers. Uh, the produce, I had told the producers I wanted to talk about the jazz, on some shows at ESPN, they would have been like, uh, how about we talk about the Lakers? And by the way, they wouldn't be wrong. <laughs>
1: Royce O'Neal has literally never had his name said in an A-block of pretty much any show on sports television anywhere.
0: Right. Uh, I, I'm sure Royce O'Neal himself was even, I haven't had a chance to talk to him. In fact, I don't think I've ever talked to Royce O'Neal. <laughs> but I was glad to give him the, uh, the, 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 the attention he deserved. So, uh, I would love to be able to do podcast-style discussions more on television. And if this leads to the opportunity to have more podcast-like discussions on ESPN, that will have been something that is special. But two things. One, I don't think so because ESPN structures show based on data analysis – and the data says that's not what people want. When people complain about why are you talking about Tim Tebow for the 45th time? <laughs> why are you talking about Kyrie Irving for the 45th time? The answer is you. The
1: will of you. the people, Brian. Because
0: that's what the data shows
1: you Democracy, want. yes, demands
0: it. Sirs and madams. But the other thing I will say is I was also trying to avoid aggregation. Mm. Because God, I, you hate
1: aggregation so much. And I and I respect your hatred of aggregation for the record.
0: Well, I don't hate aggregators. I mean, journalists, I myself have have done it in a various way for years. I mean, we listen to athletes give a forty minute interview or a twelve minute interview, and we take three sentences that they said and build a whole story around it. I mean, that's you know, although since I've been dealing with that type of aggregation, I definitely changed the way I try to portray what athletes say. But, I mean, I'm I'm guilty of it. I'm not— sure. pulling you know, a I'm, quote I'm, I'm not, is,
1: by definition, an incomplete act.
0: Right. But it had a pretty good idea that Rudy Gobert was going to get traded. I, I thought it was probable. But if I come on to first take and I say— I hear that there's a chance that Rudy Gobert is gonna get traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is what I thought. It would within minutes it would say report colon or Winhurst colon, Mm -hmm. Gobert to be traded by Jazz, which did happen, but might for a hundred reasons might not have happened.
1: Yeah, so so we should should acknowledge up front here that, yes, you were correct. (laughs) Like, the Grobert trade happened hours after that, Brian. But what you're giving us, though, the TikTok of your attempt to avoid aggregation, I mean, as you say, you do realize that as much as that strategy is sensible, it also, like backfired as spectacularly as a thing could possibly backfire because not only did this opinion get circulated everywhere, you, your face got aggregated. Like you not only had your work become a meme, you personally became the meme.
0: But I was happy with the way it was aggregated because it was aggregated in the form of a question. Mm. as opposed to a form of a statement and that's the thing like if you're in my job like it's my job is to give inside information but you know what what makes my job very difficult is when I will do a radio interview or we'll do a tv appearance and then like three to six hours later my phone blows up from an agent or a team and they're going where did you get this from? And I go, okay, what's my next 12 hours going to be ruined to buy? You know, <laughs> by the way, sometimes I do go too far and I do uh, maybe say more than I should. I'm not, I'm not even angry with it. I'm just saying like, the reason I did that was because it was a nice story arc to tell because I knew that, you know, there was a, you know, a bit of a, a story you could weave and because I also wanted to avoid making an ironclad statement. I wanted to talk about what I thought was going to happen without actually saying the words. And so, I was, you know, contorting myself, which I can only do verbally and I can't do physically. I was contorting myself into a way that I wouldn't, for the next 12 hours, have to answer, Brian, you reported the jazz are about to trade Rudy Gobert. What is the latest? I was trying to avoid that. And um, I wish I could do stuff like that all the time. It's a balancing act, to say the least.
1: I would like to push back very hard on something you just said, which is that you cannot contort yourself physically. (laughs) Because, Brian, if I've learned anything from USA Today, which just posted the 19 best Brian Winhurst memes that are everywhere, or SB Nation posting a survey of all the Brian Winhurst memes, it is that your, your image... Your your gestures, you just pointed at us earlier in this clip, and I'm like, is that a meme now? Like, is this? I mean, are you familiar with this, Brian? Have you seen these? Have you seen have. that? That, yes. Like, people are posting stuff like, my wife says she's going to Target for one thing, but she grabs a cart. Why is that?
0: Right. Yeah, and if I, if I were to say the Jazz traded Royce O'Neal in a salary dump trade when they have two All-Stars on the roster... And now they're going to trade one of those all-stars. If I, if I said it like that, I, would, I wouldn't be dealing with that meme. I'd be dealing with a bunch of headlines that said, report, colon. <laughs> and then my life would have been hell, if you want the <laughs> truth. My life would have been hell. But if I say, why is that? Why would they do that? Then people consider it very differently. I was trying to tell this story without having my day ruined (laughs) by aggregation. And what I mean by ruined is my boss is going, are you going to write a story that says this for the website? Mm -hmm. Every single television show. I mean, cause I, you know, right now I'm doing like 10 to 15 hits a day and I don't want to have to defend it on every show. I I know I have a general idea, but I can't say it all. So that the choice is, do I say nothing? which I do do a lot, but do I say nothing or do I say something? And, you know, do I need to be hearing from Rudy, Rudy's agents, the jazz? Do I need to be putting out fires like that for a day? And so, really, I was just trying to entertain and enlighten the viewer without lighting a bushfire, which I tend to light bushfires all the time. So... (laughs) That's all I was trying to do if you want the truth.
1: Up next, we go further down the rabbit hole with Brian Winhorst in search of the truth.
2: Delicious meat nutritious. Well, the good news is, not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more.
1: Well, I want to ask you another question that demands the truth, which is because you're a guy who is strategically dropping breadcrumbs with varying theatricality to account for nuance, <laughs> right? What percentage, Brian, are you saying on record at any given moment what you actually know? What percentage of your brain is being given to the world and how much are you holding back?
0: Well, it's a, the word know is, you know, The word no is relative. (laughs) I don't know if I could put a percentage on it. But like, you know, Woj, imagine Woj. I mean, I would say whenever I go to Woj with a news tip, I would say something like 19 times out of 20, he already knows it. Mm. So there'll be something that I find out that is information to me that is unknown, that is previously unknown to me that I think rises to the level that he should be looped in on. And as a almost teammate, all the yes. time. Yeah, which we do. We, we do work together closely as teammates at ESPN. So trust me, if you think that I'm only dishing part of what I know, just imagine the reservoir of information that, Woj is holding back <laughs> until it's official and ready so that it's not incorrectly taken out of context. So,
1: um, right, and it meets the journalistic standard for you, Brian. That's the point, right? right. Like, y- 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 the reason you can't say Rudy Gobert is about to be traded is because presumably you don't have the sourcing so bulletproof that it's going to preempt all of those angry calls.
0: That's that's right. That's right.
1: So you mentioned another thing which I want to ask about, which is that you were avoiding making your life hell. And that came after you already said at the very top that your wife and your child had a, like, nice run of non-work planned for dad. (laughs) So how is, how hellish has this been in terms of, I guess the question really is, how much has your wife enjoyed the fact that you're now uh, internet meme famous to literally millions upon millions upon millions of people?
0: I think she finds it mildly amusing. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's way more interested in having uh, support for the four and a half year old who was home for two weeks or two uh, days last week with a cold, a uh, non-COVID illness. Thank you. Have to specify that report. Yes. I will say that we had uh, a number of of people over for social events over the weekend and uh, uh, socially distanced outside. Everybody just, uh, I don't want more reporting. That's right. And one of uh, her co-workers came and she wore a Utah Jazz hat. She had no idea why she was wearing a Utah Jazz hat. Her husband told her to wear (laughs) a Utah Jazz hat. He had one. She had no clue. She just said, "My husband said to wear this hat. I don't know why, but he said you would not find it was funny." So I was just getting little subliminal stuff like that. But obviously, <laughs> I was I was I was loosely aware of what was going on, but I I didn't have the luxury of being. In addition to you know keeping an eye on on the news, uh, you know on you know talking to my sources who were they were all aware of it. My sources were all texting me the memes as if I hadn't seen them. Thank you, I appreciate <laughs> it.
1: Yeah, my friend's wife wore a
0: Utah jazz hat to a barbecue. Now, why would she do that? <laughs> why would she do that? <laughs> exactly. I think that was exactly what she said. Why am I doing this? <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Has anyone asked you, Brian, to do the thing? Have they been like, Brian, can you do the thing for us now? Can you do
0: the point thing? You know, can you I, say the Utah thing? It's not thing? even something that I normally do. I don't think it's in my okay. repertoire. You know how Bill Clinton, like, you know, he had his... Um, yes, the thumb and the index finger. Know, yes. You know, uh, I think Obama did that, too. I don't even know why I did that. <laughs> but props to the first take producers. You know, first take, ISO you know, they have cam, cameras. Man. That's right. They have cameras all around you at first take. It's very, it's actually kind of, um, it's disconcerting. Yeah. Because, like, cameras behind yeah, you. Yeah, it's a
1: panopticon like, oh, of, <laughs> of surveillance.
0: Also, again, if we're being real. Please. The the, the chairs that we sit in <laughs> are not that comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> OK, they are high chairs because people look better sort of sitting up. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you kind of get, you know, yeah, you, you turtle sit in a low chair, You, you know, you like that. So that particular chair, they have great chairs at first take and you can sort of lean back. I mean, like, seriously, if you want the truth, I was leaning back because I like that chair. There's other chairs where if you <laughs> lean back, like you're going over backwards, like there's no support, like you end up going way back. Part of it was the tremendous lumbar support that Stephen A. Smith demands <laughs> in the first take studio. It was it was really the combination of all of those things, because I leaned back and that like let me sort of tilt my head and put up my hands and get that angle. Because normally you're not <laughs> going to be like leaning backwards in the chair. No, where you can get you that gazed, ridiculous angle.
1: You gaze to yeah. the heavens, palms outstretched. That's right. Convening an audience in the round, Brian, for, Look, for example, the drama of example, the chairs of the Royce that deal. they have,
0: the chairs that they have in LA for NBA Today. Oh,
1: like unsupportive. That is what you're maneuver
0: saying. would have what would, would have been impossible. It would have been a completely different meme altogether. <laughs> um, but like, if you if you want if you really want to peel the curtain back and you want all the information, I do. The Stephen A. Smith branded chairs at the first Take Studio in New York Seaport, played a significant role in the creation of the meme.
1: Windhorst Column, Stephen (laughs) A.'s chair, responsible for most popular meme in the year 2022.
0: For sure. I can say that with, 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 uh, with a straight face because it's true.
1: After the break what's actually happening with Kevin Durant and the Nets.
2: Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or tick it. Paid for by NHTSA. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good.
1: So, Brian, I do want to rewind even further back for people because you were on this podcast with me live in L.A. telling me as Winstradamus that James Harden, then a Brooklyn Net, was going to be traded to the Sixers. Days before it happened, you were a lone voice in the wilderness on this. You were again ahead of everybody in this news cycle saying that the Nets were willing to trade both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And so now we're talking on Wednesday afternoon, and things have been... I would say quiet, maybe a little too
0: quiet, Brian. So where are we?
1: Are they going to actually trade Kevin Durant before the season starts?
0: Well, um, I don't think the Nets like any of the proposals that have been given to them. And um, to me, this is reminiscent of two trades, two star trades in the last decade. And I do believe history is a guide when it comes to this kind of stuff. One trade was Dwight Howard in 2012 when he finally asked for his last trade from the Magic. He wanted to go to the Nets, and the Nets really wanted Howard. And the Magic just didn't kind of like what the Nets had to offer, you know? And in this case, I really do think that Kevin Durant is interested in playing for the Suns. The Suns are interested in trading for KD. And I just don't think the Nets love what the Suns offer is, whatever that offer is, whether they're putting everything on the table or not. They they can't trade Booker. It's not functionally allowed. So you have to take that out of there. And so you kind of have this stalemate. And the Kawhi Leonard trade was somewhat similar in that he asked for a trade late. And that ended up playing out for weeks. And ultimately, they got less than you would have thought. And so... I kind of see similarities in those situations. So my expectation is that the Nets are going to wait and they're not happy with what they're being offered. And we might even indicate we'll bring them to camp. Um, but again, let's judge their actions. Their actions with Harden where they were going to wait mm-hmm. and they didn't wait. They waited for a better offer. And the trade that they got ultimately was, I thought it was under the circumstances where they were really only negotiating with one team. I thought it was okay. And in this case, there's actually multiple teams uh, showing interest. So uh, I expect it to take a while unless there's some sort of event that happens outside that could rush it. And ultimately, I think it's more likely than not that Durant is traded and then Kyrie follows. My belief is that Kyrie will go second because the, the, the Nets have to know what they're getting back for Durant. Um, Kyrie, especially as it pertains to taking on salary or whatever. So we're just going to sit here and have the summer of KD, I'm sorry to say, is my guess.
1: Well, hold on. As we all sit around and wait, Brian, as we wait for—and you put this bug in my brain years ago, this aphorism—as we wait for four quarters to make a dollar in the NBA, which it rarely does, almost never does, um, in terms of a superstar being that that big dollar bill— I have questions about why it is exactly that Kevin Durant is asking out. And I get it, big picture, right? I think. But I'm just curious, are you aware of a tipping point? He just signed a max extension, of course, last summer with four years left on it. Now, it was surprising to see him do this to most people, I think. Maybe not you. What did he want in Brooklyn that he wasn't getting at the end?
0: I mean, I've heard various things, but I don't want to say for sure, Pablo, because I don't know exactly where KD was. I do know that when the Nets got the request, their first reaction wasn't to immediately try to talk him out of it. It didn't hit them like a ton of bricks, like they didn't know it was coming. Is there a scenario in which he does stay? That's the question to me right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course there's a scenario. I mean, Kevin is the guy who sometimes is passionate about something and then changes his mind. Um, I do again, I don't expect that, but you'd have to be foolhardy to not acknowledge the possibility with four years on his contract. But it's, again, it's whatever you hear now is a negotiating position, just like it was in the Harden stock when, you know, when they were saying they weren't going to trade him. It was a negotiating position. Steve Nash is out there, speaking on the record with a straight face saying, we're not going to trade him. I mean, he was just lying. Yes. He was just lying. Yes. And he was lying for a reason. He was trying to improve their negotiating position. He was lying with the approval and backing of the management. They no doubt went over what he was going to say on the topic. So, um, you know, their credibility just isn't, Great. No, well well, but but credibility, Brian, as we assess that,
1: right? Because there is you're right, there is the Nets agenda, there's Kevin Durant's agenda, and there's Kyrie Irving's agenda. And oftentimes the latter two things are being conflated, right? Like, oh, they're a package deal, they're a friendship. What is your sense of that dynamic, the Kyrie and KD being on a singular page together thing? What do you think about that?
0: Well, Kyrie said C in the fall and Durant asked for a trade. <laughs> So again, let's judge people on their actions. Sometimes you can take people at their word. In this case, I'm going to judge people on their actions. And his action was, I'm going to request a trade away from the team that Kyrie has said, I'll see you in the fall.
1: I mean, to me, Brian, like, when you talk about Kyrie and KD, there is an impulse to think about, like, are they playing four-dimensional chess, right? Like, is this all, was this all sort of pre-planned and your sense of it is there is not a coordinated orchestration by those two guys in terms of how they are currently destabilizing the franchise that they play for
0: my feel is that they are working independently at this point obviously in the past they have worked together and i can't say that they wouldn't work together again in the future and maybe the future means in 10 days but my sense is right now they are working independently of each other and that's the thing about, um, about the NBA, especially the NBA in 2022. And I say this all the time when I talk about situations, like sometimes I'll, I'll get like a very reliable um, report on something or like I am told by a direct source, a dir- you know, like this is how I feel. This is how my client feels. This is what we are going to do. And 10 days later, this is not true. Their feelings have changed. Does that mean what I said 10 days before is wrong? No, it was true then. And that's why you got to kind of keep going back. And that's why the Nets are going to have a process here. But if you don't like the hand, wait a little bit. Because in the NBA, especially when you're dealing with a guy like KD, whose feelings, you know, he at one point was totally in Golden State totally in on Oklahoma City mm-hmm. totally out on both totally in on Brooklyn totally out <laughs> i don't know i mean he you know it's seems pretty clear he's interested in playing for phoenix but i don't have the update today i think this particular case is more like spinning the roulette wheel than it is um betting on the outcome of a game
1: so the gamble though the roulette wheel spin that the Nets took on Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden. We know now it was 16 games in total, Brian, which is absurd. It's truly absurd. The grand experiment was 16 games, all those three guys together. When you look back and assess what the Nets tried to do to accommodate the experiment, right? Because we're getting into, we'll get into eventually, I guess, the full TikTok post-mortem on who messed up and why and when, what was the tipping point? But can you just give us a sense of what the Nets tried to do to keep this going? And to what extent they became sick of their policy of appeasement behind the scenes.
0: I mean, you have to understand something about Joe Tsai. Here we go where we're gonna go into a little podcast answer that I wouldn't give on TV. Yes. Joe Tsai became a billionaire. Negotiating the construction of a conglomerate in China. Okay, I don't understand how everything works in China. I am not a geopolitical expert. I have spent time in China. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen the the tip of the iceberg of the of the maze and the uncertainty of the. Um, hierarchy of how decisions are made in China but I know that Joe Tsai to build a multi-billion dollar company with Jack Ma in China Alibaba yes China's Amazon it took a lot right can you imagine what Joe Tsai has had to maneuver around to do this in his life and so now he is the owner of the Brooklyn Nets. And he's got a, a player saying that he doesn't need a coach. When the coach is in place, he, you know, apparently does whatever he wants. And then, like, the coup de grace after he completely undercut this, this season, which, by the way, Nets had the second highest payroll and, like, paid, like, tens and tens of millions of dollars in luxury tax to get knocked out in the first round, not even winning a game. And then the guy says, uh, you know, Kevin and I are the general managers of the team.
1: That's right.
0: You can imagine that Joe Tsai was like, what the bleep?
1: Well, Brian, after three years of accommodation is what it feels like from the outside, right? Like, I think of DeAndre Jordan, Being their friend and being chosen over Jared Allen, a far more valuable player, a big man, right? That was a choice that was made. Um, Kenny Atkinson, the former coach, being ousted, reportedly because that was not the choice of the players in question. It feels like
0: they tried it, is my point here. For sure. And just, you know, they had to give DeAndre Jordan $40 million Jeez, to get Kyrie and uh, and Durant and you know they deemed it worthwhile. They probably didn't even think about it that much. You're like, okay, sure, we got yeah, to Kyrie get Kyrie, these and guys. Durant. We'll give them forty million. And at some point, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze.
1: Yes, to me, Brian. Like you zoom out of this story, and you're like what does this tell you about where we are in the modern NBA, right? How much of this is specific to the Nets and how much of what the Nets have gone through as a front office that made these calculated bets, paid these concessions? How much does that seem instructive about team building going forward? Or is this just its own particular brew of very unique personalities?
0: Yes, all of it. <laughs> and so, um, like, look, I, I was on the front lines in Miami, uh, where the Heat assembled this super team and basically gave almost no concessions, almost no concessions. Uh, they still made all those guys have six percent or less body fat. They they still like made them, you know, have certain like rules about their dress code and whatever. Right. Um, and it broke up after four years, <laughs> and you know that was you know the, the way the Heat managed it was part of the reason. And the Nets are like, you know, we're going to try to be more player first. And it wasn't just about Durant and Kyrie, you know, in seven years, there could be other superstars. I mean, this is one thing I'll say about Jeannie Buss, no matter how the Lakers have functioned as an organization since she became, um, you know, lead owner and, and president, she has always understood that how they take care of stars is vital because players want to be Lakers and as long as the best players want to be Lakers the Lakers will always have a great chance to be a good team. No, Brian, to me this is about power and who holds it, right? right? This is I mean
1: what this is your beat. Your beat is not breaking transactions, it's covering how power is wielded behind the scenes. And right now, how would you say that power, the dynamic is tilting as a result of the story that we're discussing?
0: It's it's in flux right now. Joe Size's point was they weren't like, I mean, they offered Kyrie a contract. It wasn't like they didn't intend to keep him. They didn't want to trade Durant. What Joe Sy wanted to do was renegotiate the way the team was going to operate. Mm. And the first phase of that was not giving in to what Kyrie wanted as a contract and not giving in to what Durant wanted for Kyrie as a contract. And they won that one. They stared down with Kyrie. And although, picking up a $36 million option is hardly yielding. Essentially, the victory in that went to Kyrie. And my guess was that they're going to continue to push that. Like, Kyrie, no, we're not going to operate practice like this. No, we're not going to operate the offense like this. No, if you're going to try to do whatever he was doing behind the scenes that was causing issues, no, we're going to shut that down. Could they have turned that around without actually Changing the personnel, I don't think we'll ever know. And so I guess at
1: the end here, right? Like you were, before you were America's meme sweetheart, (laughs) you were taking the slings and arrows as LeBron's beat writer, right? You had a front row seat more than anyone else on the
0: planet to the player empowerment era. So like when people want to talk about like me correctly forecasting something, it was when I looked around a year and a half into LeBron's tenure in Miami and said, this ain't lasting. And I didn't talk about it every day, but occasionally I would talk about it. I got lambasted for that. And I know that Twitter wasn't as big of a deal in 2012 as it is in 2022, but what Twitter there was destroyed me. Yeah, I stopped looking at my mentions on Twitter 2014-ish, and I say that to people and they go, you're lying. Pablo, I will take a lie detector test that I have not looked at my mentions in coming up on a decade. I guess I can't say for sure the last day that I haven't looked at it. So whatever they were saying, I don't know, positive or negative, I don't know. Brian, the question I
1: have is, you were there covering this, forecasting this, accurately chronicling it intimately. The player empowerment era brought us to this point in Brooklyn. What is this era now, as you understand it? Are we still in it? Is it something else? What's, what's on the horizon here?
0: There is the beginning of pushback by teams. Definitely in Brooklyn, definitely in Utah. And they are going to be out stars because of it. And we are going to head into a collective bargaining negotiation that's going to take place over the summer. There's been an assumption that the owners are going to push for like massive changes. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard that from any of the actual people on the ownership side. We do have Adam Silver, the commissioner, on record as saying players have to honor their contracts. And we do see two organizations shoving back on their stars, potentially at the detriment of their championship hopes. Um, and we're monitoring the Lakers. We're monitoring <laughs> oh boy. the Lakers. Oh,
1: boy. Brian, Brian, Brian. What you're telling me is that something is happening in Los Angeles.
0: Maybe. This is not very... You know, uh, sensitive to vegans and vegetarians, but (laughs) I—it's not like the Lakers are sitting at the grocery store, choosing between filet mignon or you know, ahi tuna or prime rib. Like they—they have a choice of Kyrie Irving, and that's it. That's the only thing on the shelf. And so, of course, LeBron wants Kyrie Irving. He has one of his rings and got Kyrie Irving's name on it. Oh, boy. Of course, LeBron doesn't care about the 2029 (laughs) first round pick. He's trying to win the 2023 title. So, um, definitely Brooklyn, definitely Utah. And we have LA Lakers on the watch list for uh, pushing back on, you know, players guiding so much of what's going on.
1: Brian Winhorst, a man of literally, like, millions of memes that you will never see. Yes. Thank you for (laughs) for taking us behind the curtain.
0: You're telling me, like, there's a top 19 or something? I'm like, my God, there were 19 that made a list? Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) You have so much to never learn, my friend. Yes. (laughs) I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.